Hi, and welcome to Shots with Catherine, Conversations with Creatives, where I chat with creatives of all different mediums to get into what really inspires them. Today, I'd like to welcome filmmaker Jack Kierski. Jack is a director and writer based in South Florida and founder of production company Kierski Films, which specializes in horror and thriller films. His short film, Sushi Night, and it comes from outside, both been making very successful festival runs. Welcome, Jack. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Catherine. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much. So I always love hearing about what got people into filmmaking because the answers are always so different and say a lot about them and their work. What was it that inspired you to want to become a filmmaker? Well, uh, starting back when I was a kid, uh, just like how all filmmakers started, it's by you know their parents, by their parents taking their kids to the movies. So, so while I was a kid, my mom, my mom, my dad would love take me to the movies and also. Uh, they would like buy me uh, movies on uh, on DVD as well too, and and also VHS. And from there, I started to like love movies. And and when it comes to, like the behind the scenes filmmaking process, I discovered that by watching DVD special features that that, that got me fascinated about the filmmaking process. Well, seriousness, uh, I didn't get into like actually uh, actually filmmaking until I decided to major in uh, in, in film production. So there, that's where I. Actually, started to love like the hands-on process of filmmaking. So, so from there, I got into writing and directing. And also, when I started making my own independent films, that's when I started to feel like my specialty and genre-wise is both horror and thriller. And I've I've always also been you know fascinated with like the the horror genre as well too, because because I especially like the tension and intensity that that builds up in the in the hard genre to the point where I actually I actually get scared. And from there, it actually inspires me to make the movies that I would go see that would actually uh, make like the audiences scared and, and, and also make them like intrigued by interesting uh, stories. Oh man, that takes me back. For me, I always loved watching the bloopers. <laughs> like, I remember oh, yeah. watching the Pirates of the Caribbean bloopers and just seeing the actors cracking up between the takes. Oh yeah. That always yeah. made me laugh. So horror is such an interesting genre because it's so visceral. Like you said, sometimes you're watching a movie and it just it can build up the tension to until the point where it really does scare you. You jump out of your seat. You've got the got the hair standing up on the backs of your arms. Were there any particular horror films that inspired you? Absolutely. So I'll say my top three horror films that actually inspire me is uh, Sleepaway Camp. Halloween, the original by John Carpenter, and uh, and third one, Texas uh, Chainsaw Massacre, the original one by by Toby Hooper. And the other horror movies that I, I would name that that inspired me will have to be other classics like The Evil Dead. The other movie that actually inspires me to actually uh, make movies, like I guess you could say, like on a very like low budget. Like there's this uh, movie that was actually shot on a VHS that actually came out in the late '80s. It's called the Woodchipper Massacre, and that and that movie was shot on VHS because that movie was made on budget for like four hundred dollars. When it comes to like horror uh, directors, like horror directors inspire me most will have to be uh, both uh, John Carpenter and Wes Craven, and also inspiration from uh, Sam Raimi too, as well with like with, like Evil Dead. Yeah, that's a really good point because horror movies. I've heard that those can be. Sometimes there's a whole niche for those because you can really make a lot with a low budget. And I mean, like you said, you might only have 400 bucks, but if you can tell a good story, get good performances, you can still make people shudder and scream. 
I remember, I haven't seen a lot of classic horror movies, but one that I have was called Slumber Party Massacre 2, I think. There was a, a guy who had some kind of giant drill bit with his guitar, the Driller Killer. Have you seen that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually haven't seen the sequel. I've seen the, the first one. So I definitely know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> Oh, that was a fun one. I remember back when I was in college, that was kind of a cult favorite among this club where I had some friends in it and somebody even dressed up as this driller killer for Halloween. They took a guitar and then made this giant drill attachment coming out of it. And then the guy had slicked slicked back hair and a leather jacket was kind of rock starry. So he just went around pretending to threaten to murder people with his guitar drill all night. It was really funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how do you uh, take these elements from these classic horror movies and incorporate them into your own work while still creating something, obviously, that's present day and that's modern in a way as well? So uh, first thing that comes in mind, like, when it comes to, like, music, like, in the movies that I made, the music is actually uh, inspired by uh, John Carpenter's uh, synth music that he usually... Uh, makes for his uh for his movies so that's like the big inspiration for that and also when it comes to like tension and suspense wise uh those are actually inspired by, by both john carpenter and, and and alfred hitchcock because uh because when it comes to tension i try to like slow down time as much as possible until like until like the scary part happens so so in other words i i try to make like the moments like the conflicting moments of the film us as uh, slow as possible until it builds up to like until like the scary part. Do you usually have some kind of musical inspiration in mind before you even start, and you kind of work it into the film or build the film around that? Uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. However, what I usually do is that uh, uh, is that after I get the the script into its like final draft, I just uh, read through a script and I just envision I have like the the music could like build up in the scene. That's really interesting. I've definitely met a lot of filmmakers who music and post they don't necessarily think ahead that much i mean i think that's awesome you have the music you have all these beats in mind as you're going in and you can kind of build your story around Mm -hmm. that there was something really interesting i read about the joker movie where they had the score in advance and were even playing it on set to help the actors get into character i think like the stair scene they had the music ahead of time and i thought that's such a really interesting approach do you ever do that do you ever share your music with the rest of the crew or the inspirations or play it on set? On set wise, uh, I've, I've actually uh, never done that. However, what I usually do is that, is that whichever composer that I work with, I share a music that is uh, that has already made, I guess you could say, for example, like the theme from Halloween uh, to composer to like, use it as like a source of uh, inspo for that particular uh, music that I want for the scene. And then, so could you tell me what was it that attracted you about directing in particular because when you go to film school there's so many different options you know there's being a dp being director writer etc what was it for you that did it made you want to be a director well it's always fascinating me to actually work with actors that actually bring your characters uh to life for a script that i write i'm usually my own uh writer of course also working with uh actors too so what i love about working with actors as a director what i usually do is i explain that to actor my vision of scene what that character of the actor is going to do and what's happening in the scene and why and why he's doing what's his like 
motivation of a scene was to go and the actor plays that part. And after he performs that scene, I give them uh, directions on what to do differently. So for me, directing actors is kind of like what you want to draw because because when I was a kid, I used to draw a lot. So directing actors is kind of like, what do you want to draw that you see in your head of the movie? And also that actually goes to Cruz Rail. While I'm working with a DP, like like when it comes to like shot listing and storm boring, I usually work with a DP on, on, on that. And I actually explained my DP uh, like on how the shots are going to be like a first scene. Now I tell him like how, how the shots are going to be like composed and framed. And also I'm open to like some suggestions too, if, if the DP feels like that there's a shot that could be like more uh, effective. Like I'm open to some suggestions too as well. I'm also heavily big on, on like special effects, makeup too, practical effects, no, no after effects or CGI. <laughs> so I work with a makeup artist, like a bloody uh, special effects makeup artist. I actually explain on, on a makeup artist on where the blood would be placed. If there's like a stabbed eye, I'll tell him or her that the blood would be like smeared right here. Another thing that fascinates me about directing is that you're like the whole artist behind the movie. While I was mentioning before about me, you used to draw a lot, like making a movie is like you drew something, but however though, it's like the, the hard work you put into it as well too. Oh yeah, and performance is always so important for horror films especially, so you gotta like working with actors to make a good horror film. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Now, another thing I want to mention, it's not just a well-drawn uh, character that you did. It's also like on a well-crafted thing you worked on. So that's what other thing that fascinates me about about directing a movie, because making a movie is like your own, uh, your own artistic uh, piece of art. So when you're working with actors, I mean, you're saying you, you want to really get them into the zone to really understand the scene, the story. What do you do to prepare for that? Do you come up with character backstories? Do you spend a lot of time rehearsing what's your strategy so what i usually do is that so i usually do that while i'm dishing actors as, as well too so i i usually like explain their backstory of the character and their and their character traits too and their and their primary motivation the film what i was also like to do is that before film set i like to uh, i like to put together an in-person uh, table read with all the actors together especially the ones uh the first time i'll be working with them like for me working with actors in person outside set, uh, helps me get to know the the, the actors um more too in my opinion I, I feel like it also helps between like the the director and the actors uh working relationship too as well so when it comes to like uh rehearsing with, uh, uh, actors i usually uh go over with like the dialogue and with like some of a blocking depending on which scene it is though like if it's just uh if it's just like a simple scene, rehearsing a blocking could be Don says. So yeah, uh, I like to try to meet up with like the actors in person before set. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it, it can be so helpful to, if you're going to be working with new people, to just build up a bit of a rapport, establish a little bit of trust and a bit of a relationship before you get on set so that you can kind of know where everybody's coming from, be on the same page. And then on that note, filmmaking, it's also such a collaborative medium because you're as the director, you're leading the rest of the team to victory. How do you usually approach collaborating with the rest of the crew, like DPs, lighting, makeup artists, production designer, et cetera? Well, as far as uh, working with a cinematographer goes, I usually like come up with a mood collage, uh, like a collage from, uh, from like other movies as opposed to like uh, comprehend of a look and, and, and tone of film that I'm going for. I usually share that with the DP and also I share like the like a color palette that I'm going for. Like for example, like 
like the blue and purplish uh, color palettes from The Exorcist, I share that with the DP as like an inspo for a look at the film. Uh, usually my films, is my films are usually me on a, <laughs> on, on a lower budget. I'm usually my own uh, production designer. But if I have a production designer, I'll share the same to the production designer as well too. And in fact, I'll even come up with like a separate mood board that would show the color palette uh, from like the design and, and the items for like the other movies uh, I'm going for to the production designer. And also when it comes to like working with a first assistant director, the ones in charge of scheduling the film, making sure like everybody on the set is on schedule. After me and my DP finalize the shot list, I usually share uh, the shot list and storyboards to, uh, to my AD. So the AD gets an idea on how the film shoot is going to be uh, going to be scheduled. And then when my, when my, once my AD comes up with like the call sheets and the, and, and the filming schedule, me and my DP usually uh, meet up with uh, with the AD discussing about the filming plans and the schedule and seeing like we, there's like changes that that we need to make when it comes to time and and yeah uh, yeah that's how I I usually work with crew. I love that. I feel like some of the most successful projects that I've worked on as a DP are the ones where we get the chance to sit down with the AD beforehand and go over the shot list and the schedule and figure out the plan because it can just be so helpful to tell them, oh, we might need a bit more time for this shot here, or the way you've scheduled it here doesn't quite make sense because of the setups. I feel like more directors should do that. It's just the little things that just make a huge difference on set. For sure, for sure. And also another thing I want to add, there's also advice to like uh, filmmakers or starting out as well. Never be afraid to ask for a second opinion from my other crew members, especially to like the DP or AD. Like, like for example, like a director would ask the AD for a second opinion. Do you think we should shoot like those scenes on the first day first or should we shoot on the second day? Like, like never like be afraid to ask for a second opinion just in case if, uh, if, if how can I call it? If you're like questioning if this should be done uh, first or not. Oh yeah, that's definitely a good point because sometimes you can get so in your own head about whatever it is you're working on that sometimes a fresh perspective can be so helpful. Exactly, exactly. And also, especially uh, especially when you're like during the development process of making the film, especially when you're working on a script, it doesn't hurt to always you know, ask for like feedback or a second opinion on, uh, on a script you feel like you, uh, you wrote the final draft on from a filmmaking friend, a fellow filmmaker, or someone who's already a crew member of your project. And that actually kind of leads into another question I had. I wanted to ask about what's your process like when it comes to writing? How do you tackle the first draft and then polishing it up to get ready to shoot? And then kind of a follow-up to start thinking about, you mentioned how important it can be to get feedback from other people, but feedback, it can always be so objective because everybody's reading something with a different perspective. And so some people might say something that isn't necessarily helpful because they're not quite understanding the project the way that you are. So how do you sift through the feedback you get and kind of filter out what's just, oh, this is just somebody's personal opinion versus here's some feedback that's actually really helpful to the script? What I usually do is that is I want to show someone that I trust the script. Uh, and after the person reads the script, I ask him, like, what are, like, the pros and cons of script, uh, like what are the positives and, and negatives? I feel like uh, honesty is is king. If there's no honesty, I, I feel like you're not like supporting a, another filmmaker. That's just my opinion. Oh yeah, I mean, you want to get that feedback that's brutally honest, even if it's not exactly what you want to hear, or even if people aren't 
nice about it because I think in the end of the day, everything that you hear is going to make it better in some way. Like I have this one friend, I tend to write a lot of comedies and he doesn't really <laughs> like comedy and he usually hates everything I write and just kind of rips it all to shreds. But within all of that, I've kind of learned to brush off, you know, okay, brush off the negativity that's just in oh, yeah. comedy and find the helpful tidbits within that. Oh yeah, I've definitely been there for sure. <laughs> Sometimes, especially when it comes to a very, a, a genre like horror or comedy where it's very visceral, like you're trying to scare people, you're trying to make them laugh. I think even showing it to somebody who doesn't necessarily like that genre can be really helpful because even if they don't like the genre in general, they can still look and see, oh, does this story make sense? How do they feel about the story and the characters, etc.? When it comes to filmmaking, the creative process can sometimes start months or even years before you even start pre-production. Do you have any sort of creative process or things that inspire you when it comes to developing new ideas and stories? I usually take inspirations from, uh, not to sound like I'm like ripping them off or anything, but I usually take inspirations from like the, or like the movies that, that I've seen or movies that I love. And also, uh, and also I take inspirations from like real life too as well. There are times when there's actually like a, like a strange scenario that just pops up in my head. Like for example, like the real life scenario. So, uh, uh, so the inspiration of Sushi Night came from, uh, so, so years ago when I was a kid, uh, I was actually spending time, quality time with my dad and my dad, me and my dad were planning to eat dinner somewhere. I was asking, I was asking my dad, hey dad, why can't we eat sushi? My dad says in a very sarcastic, because sushi is, is for girls. <laughs> and, and when that idea, pop, sushi and I popped up into me, that memory just came back into me. I was like, oh, what there's a, what was there's a psycho girl who's like obsessed with sushi and anybody that doesn't eat more of her sushi, she kills that person. She, <laughs> she kills that person. And also took some inspiration from, uh, from horror films like Misery Audition. Like the torture scene from Sushi Night, and that's actually uh, inspired by the, by the torture scene from Audition. That sounds very interesting. I will have to add it to my list. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's directed by Takashi uh, Miike, uh, who I hear directed like, a bunch of, of movies like diverse genres like horror comedy and crime is he is he japanese yes indeed he's japanese oh, i love foreign films so now i now i guess i gotta watch some japanese horror <laughs> me too yeah i love foreign some foreign films too yeah i love cre collecting criterions too as well so do you have a pretty big film collection then Oh yes, definitely, definitely. I have a horror collection back here. Now I have like more movies <laughs> on the right side of the wall right here. And the closet to the left, I have like a bunch of Criterions. Wow, that is, I have not seen that many DVDs in a long time. And I mean, I gotta say, there definitely is something about being able to watch a DVD, being able to just own it, to have the special features, all the behind the scenes stuff, all the stuff that we don't get from streaming services. For sure, yeah. I mean, I, I'm still open to use uh, streaming services, but I always uh, stick with uh, physical media, though. Oh, yeah, because I think, you know, something's definitely lost. I mean, when it comes, like, Netflix doesn't give you the behind-the-scenes or the bloopers. <laughs> oh, yeah, And yeah. I just, I just want to <laughs> watch the bloopers of everything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or behind-the-scenes, like, betrayal, like, making of the movie. <laughs> yeah, or the director's commentary. They never have those, either. yeah. <laughs> So you said that watching these behind the scenes of filmmakers at work, that was part of what inspired you to become a filmmaker. 
what was your impression from that? Like, what did you think being a filmmaker was going to be like versus what it actually is? Well, starting out, uh, obviously, maybe just like others that started out, obviously they thought that it was uh, going to be easy. But then when I started film school and also when I started getting involved on more professional, like any sets outside of school, found out how, how hard it is. Like there's like a lot of work and plan being done during pre-production. And also, especially as a director too, like, like as a director, you have to be like very, uh, very decisive at all, all times. Be prepared, know, uh, know your script and know your vision. Like you're not going to prepare. You don't feel like you're like, you're like close on, on set. And also the people that you're working with, they're actually going to feel like lost. Feel like there's like no, no vision at all on set. And the vision like comes from the, from the director, obviously. Oh yeah. I never could have imagined before I started film school also just how much work goes into preparing hours and hours of you know just reading the script making the shot list meeting with people scheduling it's exhausting yeah <laughs> and what's set almost feels like the easy part oh yeah and so also hugely important to horror films is also the editing and post-production you mentioned that you always take a lot of inspiration from the music and you have some kind of idea for that but What's your process like for going through the rest of post? Because like a good edit can definitely make or break a horror film. Definitely. I definitely agree right there. So I'm usually my own editor because I actually have a good eye when it comes to when, when it comes to like pacing. So obviously I have a script supervisor on set taking uh, notes in the script supervisor fellowship, like filling out what were the bad takes or the or the good takes. So I look for the script supervisor notes that that uh, the script he uh, gives me, I, and I see where, I mean, I already know the good takes anyways, but I look just in case. So, so I actually put together like the first rough cut with the, with the good takes that, uh, that we got that I, that I actually like. And then further, I watched the first rough cut and I, and obviously <laughs> just like other directors, they probably don't like the first rough cut at first. Uh, I, I actually tried actually then making a, uh, make, make a second uh, rough cut. But 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 also also in the in the rough cut, I also show it to like filmmaking friends too as well to get like uh, to get their uh, feedback on it to see what could be uh, improved. And then uh, after I picture lock the first edit, I usually like start color grading uh, the film. And, and even while it's color grading, just to move it forward, I, I even send the first rough cut to the to, to the music composer to start making uh, to start making the music uh, for the film uh, for the film. And this is also how I work with the music composer. So I send like, like the like the picture lock cut of the film to the music composer, and I. And I send him like a list of the time codes of the film on where to place the music. And with the time codes, it has like like the time codes where the music starts and the time code where the music end, uh, ends for like each scene or how I vision it. And and sometimes give a little bit of creative freedom to the uh, to the music composer too because I feel like uh, a music composer is also is also a musician. Of, of the film so i feel like the music composer is also the creative to behind uh, behind music so it doesn't hurt to give uh creative freedom to the to, uh, to composer i think sound design is really important too oh yeah and film and filmmaking so once i get the music locked for the uh, picture lock i actually synchronize the music with the film and i 
and I send of a sound file with a lot of synchronized the music to the uh, to the sound designer to my uh, to I actually have a go to uh, a, a sound designer too as, uh, as well so I actually send it to him and actually like I can create a freedom too so yeah so yeah so he actually like comes up with uh, with a first uh, a rough like a first like rough sound file uh, of the sound he's designed that that, that that he created so i watch it i review it and then after that uh i send the email with my notes of what i want to do differently with uh uh w w like like sound design and after that i see again and i give him like another set of notes well, we usually lock the sound design from like the third uh cut of the of a sound design and and after and, and after that after after i find that after like I, I i like finalize everything rough cut make sure uh make sure like everything is everything is good that's where i call it a rap and post-production that's such a good point like with with music because i mean it's always good to know what you want and have that vision but then especially with horror music and sound design is so important and I mean, we're filmmakers, not musicians, so you never know when you know, your sound designer, your composer might have some brilliant idea that you never would have thought of. Oh yeah, for sure, uh, for sure, definitely, definitely. Also, what that's made to me about uh, sound design uh, is that I like how when sound designers actually added uh, added a, a sound of a sound effect that isn't uh, that wasn't you know being the sound that wasn't being recorded on set, like. Like well, really good sound design. You can actually make it sound like it's actually uh, it's actually convincing than uh, what the sound. For example, I'm painting this mouse down, but for example, like an insert shot of that mouse uh, uh, going down kind of sounds like like off or stiff. So the sound designer actually comes up like a more realistic and convincing sound effect, and then and then when he adds it. Uh, there and I see it. I see. It, I feel like it's a lot more convincing. And also with sound design, uh, there's a saying that, especially when it comes to like maybe filmmakers uh, starting out or they just feel like it. Uh, there's a saying it's called "Let's fix it in post." And I feel like the like like only thing that could be fixed in post and post production would actually be <laughs> mostly 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 sound design, especially when you got like. Uh, what we got like a uh, fix with like background uh, noises and clean the audio up. Well, but when it comes to like the rest fixing up post, that usually <laughs> doesn't come out. <laughs> well, especially uh, especially when uh, when you're shooting uh, when you're shooting like like interiors like like really underexposed and you try to like try to fix underexposed shot and color grain, but however, the way you fix it, uh, the shot comes out really like noisy and grainy. Oh my gosh, yes, fix it in post is a lie. All of the editors yeah. I know hate hearing that. And so you mentioned that you really like doing practical effects because as we all know, you can't fix it in post. And when I watched Sushi Night, I was really impressed by the practical effects. I mean, there was some, there was some pretty fun gore in there that looked like it was a lot of fun do you have any fun stories about some of the practical effects you've done for your films that's a great question i'm trying i'm trying to think of one well when i first uh well for sushi night originally had another uh script supervisor who was on board a project but he had to back out so i got another script supervisor and i told him about the whole the whole film and i told him that and i told i told him that there's a scene when when the main character Dan, which is like this low point in the film, 
as uh, as I get stabbed by the antagonist, and I was like, and was like, I was like, holy shit, dude, you're crazy. That's <laughs> what that's what he told me. That's <laughs> spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Sushi Night. You gotta yeah, go watch spoiler. it. <laughs> Principal photography wise, uh, while the makeup artist uh, Yazenia, shout out to the Yazenia by the way, who's who's probably one of the best uh, makeup artists uh, out there. She's amazing. Uh, what we did is that while while the makeup artist is putting the, like the eye stab into into Gonzalez's eye, the actor, we were actually uh, shooting uh, shooting uh, sh shooting the very end while uh, while the makeup artist was put, was putting the eye, the eye stab makeup. And after we were finishing filming uh, that scene. We moved on. Uh, uh, we moved on into 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 that scene after he he got his eye uh, stabbed. So 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 when it comes to like when it comes to shot when it comes to shot wise, what we did there's actually like kind of like a like a POV a a POV shot of a Rachel uh, 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 stabbing eye into Stan, and we see the the knife into like the foreground, and she like takes off the knife however though we don't see we don't see the actual eye stab so we shot that one and then we cut to the next shot to his to like the over shoulder shopper and kind of, kind of like in the mid in the mid ground uh, of him was stabbed eye where he like where like screams where i like painfully uh a, a, a screams we shot that a moment right at uh right after uh right after when the makeup bars was done adding in special effects makeup what kinds of things do you do to network and connect with other filmmakers and keep building those connections that are so important? What would you, what advice would you have for other indie filmmakers who are just starting out? My advice to other filmmakers who are, uh, or, uh, start, uh, starting out and want to network other people. This is the advice I could uh, I could uh, taken before because when I first started film school, I've always been a, a shy and introvert kind of guy, and I, I'm still I, I, I'm still am. But when I first started film school, I was so shy, introverted. But as time went by, my collaborations, my collaboration, communication skills started start to improve. So, so my advice to <clears throat> to, to young aspiring uh, filmmakers are starting. I'll say. Uh, don't uh, don't be afraid to to ask uh, people me to to work in your projects from uh, from uh, from your uh, from your film production uh, classroom. And my other advice would be uh, learn to listen, learn to listen to uh, to, uh, to constructive criticism on what on what you could you know improve as a, a as a filmmaker, and also also never rush uh, pre production. Take your time. Uh, uh, take your oh, time. Yeah. Make, uh, uh, make sure. Uh, make sure you got the the shot. Uh, the storyboards and shot list complete with the shots that uh, with shots that you your uh, DP want on the on the director's uh, on the director's standpoint. And also and, and also especially uh, especially in film school, uh, learn other filmmaking skills too. Like like learn screenwriting, learn sound mixing, learn uh, learn post production, editing, sound design, color grading, and and also, uh, and also learn, uh, learn lying too. I learn uh, how to use a camera. So, uh, so be open to learn, uh, to learn other other aspects of filmmaking other than directing. Oh yeah, that's definitely super important too. Cause I feel like if, if somebody spent a lot of time on set, even if they want to be say a director, but if they spent some time on set being an AD or a PA or camera assistant lighting, that just 
helps you better as a director because you better understand how a set runs and how all the different pieces that go into making a movie fit together. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Also, one last advice I would give is that especially if there's an AD who's like telling you like there's AD that's suggesting to you that we should shoot those uh, uh, particular scenes uh, first, like like not in chronological order, but like uh, but like the nonlinear or just to save daytime. Never argue back in anger. Like let uh, uh, let your ego go and, and and listen to that AD because you shoot it in, in for example you shoot in chronological order or it could waste time and the production could uh, could uh, could become chaos. Oh yeah, you don't want to argue with the AD. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So last question, what are you working on now and where can we follow you? I'm actually uh, working on my um, new short film. It's called They're Real. It's a slasher horror short film, which is a love letter to the 80s and 90s slasher films like uh, Friday the 13th and, and Scream. And we also have a Instagram page uh, of They're Real as well, too. Uh, I'm also in development for my... Uh, first uh, feature film debut as well uh, as well too which uh, which I hope to I will I'll get to uh, get to shoot it uh, get to shoot it next year I mean at the end of the day my goal is to actually make my first feature film before I turn before I turn uh, before I turn 30 <laughs> you can follow me at uh, at, at Kierski films uh, uh, on Instagram and also uh, I also have a separate uh, film production Instagram page called Kierski Films, uh, twelve zero seven, and also if anybody wants to uh, 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 follow me or contact me on uh, on social media, like I'm I'm very, I'm really open to like to like meeting uh, fellow filmmakers and like minded creators throughout social media too. So feel free uh, to reach out to me on uh, on Facebook and Instagram, and, and also and also follow me and add me as a friend on Facebook. Hell yeah, make those connections for sure. That sounds super exciting. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jack. It was great talking to you and hearing about your work and what inspires you. Yeah, definitely. It was fun. It was fun chatting with you. I, I had such a great time. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Shots with Catherine, Conversations with Creatives. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Shots with Catherine. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help us grow, head to our Red Circle podcast page and donate to the show and get a shout out in a future episode. Be sure to tune in next week when I'll be joined by musician and actress Elizabeth Froelich. Thank you so much again for listening and catch you next week.